As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, we are live. Listeners are racking up. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, we've had some technical difficulties being um, getting Kevin into the live room. He's in the live room right now. Uh, we He's put his hand up in the queue. We just can't get him on. Like, I don't understand it. We've been working at it for half an hour. He's been so patient with us. And unfortunately, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do it. Uh, and for the VIPs, okay. we're frustrated too. I know everyone was excited at the chance to listen to Kevin. And, uh, you know, I don't get the chance to talk to him enough. I'm actually heading down to Southern California tomorrow. And Kevin is back in Ontario in the woods somewhere right now uh, with his family until, the, until uh, the middle of August. So I don't even get to pick up with him down here or down there. So um, still hoping we can get him on. But in the meantime, like just a crazy, crazy busy day. Uh, going on right now in the world of free agency, and it continues. Ryan Strom has just signed a five-year deal with the Anaheim Ducks, and we saw Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, if you're a Calgary fan right now, Dramshire, and look, we've got a lot to talk about with the Canucks. 
But if you're a Calgary fan and you have this emotional conversation yesterday and Gaudreau leaves an 80 plus million dollar deal on the table, you know, they gave him the max term at over $10 million a season. And he says, no. And he says it's, it's family reasons. And all indications are to us that he wants to get out into the New Jersey, New York, Long Island, or Philadelphia region, somewhere out there where his family is and close to where he's from and all of that. And then he signs in Columbus for less money than what Calgary was offering him. I'm so sad we're not going to get to ask Bieksa. Well, hopefully we will, but may not get to ask Bieksa about his opinions on Columbus. (laughs) I was really excited (laughs) for that. I was like, one of the things I was most looking forward to getting Juice to break down. I mean, the Columbus thing came out of left field, right? There were sort of whispers of it, but man, that Elliot Friedman tweet landed like an absolute brick on my timeline. It was incredible. Just the reaction, the the shock from hockey fans that Columbus had emerged triumphant. All right. We're now settled. We cannot get BX on the stage. I don't know why. He's, oh. I think I'm here. Oh, my God. This is just for the viewers or the listeners. This is 100% your fault. 100% not mine. our fault. 100%, 100% Farhan's fault. <laughs> My fault? How did that happen? I have not because, been involved because, in anything Exactly. You, you know the absolute least out of everybody who's been trying to solve this issue. Correct. But I haven't gotten involved. So how do I get blamed? <laughs> because I, I know nothing and haven't tried to fix the issue. Well, you're not helping the cause. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not hurting the cause either. That's got to count for something. You know, you, the, the guy that, the guy that uh, you know, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? So that's the guy that knows very little and tries to get involved. That's when you completely sort or short circuit everything. I, on the other hand, have, I've been watching the Whitecaps game in the background. There's like 59 minutes in. They're down 2-1 against Cincinnati. You know, I've been, I've been listening to Drancer, and I can't get any of your thoughts on our group text because for whatever well, reason, everything – for you, it just comes as an empty bubble, which which would be apropos, but it, that's how it comes. Everybody yeah. else's information I'm getting. I thought I was going to be on your show 30 minutes ago, so now you I've did. had too, too much wine and too many cigars, and now this is what you're going to get. <laughs> well, this is the best that's version of you, my friend. It's been too long. <laughs> just, just honesty. You're just going to get honesty from me today. Perfect. Well, let, let's start by asking you about Johnny Gaudreau going to Columbus. What, what's your take as a former player on the city of Columbus? Well, my take is, first of all, what he turned down. What he turned down from Calgary, a little bit more money, um, a lot better hockey team. So what does that tell you? It tells you he didn't want to go back to Calgary. And I think part of that is that he's an American and he wanted to play in the U.S., uh, I think everybody thought he was going to go to Philadelphia because that's where he's from. And, and, and all, you know, signs were pointing to that. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just speculating here right now. I don't know a whole lot. But I would think that the, he doesn't, you know, he didn't want to go back to Calgary. And you'd think, was it maybe a Sutter thing? Was there maybe just too much of a clash between Sutter's style and, and, and the way he wants to play? But that being said, he had his best ever year point-wise. Um, I don't know. Like that, that's what I think about. I just start to think and I start to speculate. Was there a little bit more there with that relationship? Was that relationship, uh, not salvageable for, for him to continue there? Because he turned down more money 
on a really good hockey team with with one of the best goaltenders in the league who have you know they all things go well again and and they keep Kachuk. They had another chance to make a run at this. Now, that being said, it, does he know something we don't? Is Kachuk out the door too? And we just don't know it yet. But here's the thing, though. When you when you look at this situation, he had to have been speaking. His agent had to have been speaking to some of these other teams. You have to believe he thought there was going to be a little more on the table, don't you? Or did he always know that it was just more a case of leaving Calgary? I, I still think it. Like, Farhan, what do you think? At the end of the day, wh- when you – like, he had a great year. Right. He had a great year and um, and I like him as a hockey player. Uh, did I vote for him? Because I had a vote this year, which was crazy to think that I had a, a little tiny little say in what what goes on. But he wasn't on my heart ballot. He wasn't on my first team all star. And I took a lot of flack from from Elliot and from David Amber and from some people there. They're like, how is he not on your on your team? And I said, well, I'll tell you why. He's the third best player on his line. How, how am I going to vote for him as the best player in the league or the best, you know, first team all-star in his position? He's the third best player on his line. That's how I felt. I felt Lindholm was a better player and Kachuk was a better player. Now, that, so he's getting seven, seven years. I mean, I don't know how many listeners you have. Like, I'm going to probably, this is pretty bold things I'm saying here right now, but I'm just being <laughs> honest with you. Like <laughs> seven years at just under $10 million a year for him. Like that is, that is unbelievable. If I'm him, I'm super happy with that. Like that is, that is serious money for him. I think. Let me ask you this. Um, and I know Drench is dying to jump in on this topic, but you know, you went to school in the States, even though you're a Canadian guy, but you know, you've been around players like Kess and you were close to him at various times. And I get the sense with a lot of American players, everybody, it's kind of like the Yankees. Everybody wants to play for them at some point, but then you, you kind of want to move it along. And I find with a lot of, high-profile American players that they everybody wants to play in Canada at some point, but then there comes a time where you'd rather just kind of go chase a cup in anonymity. And how much of it is him just wanting to leave Calgary? We talk about Sutter as a possible reason for why. And we know that he's kind of a short-term guy that, you know, he, he can get the most out of you, but then he wears on you and, and people kind of, you know, they, they shut it down at, at a certain portion of time when it comes to when it comes to Sutter, but could this be a case of, okay, just, I want it, I want my life to be quiet and I want to be able to chase the cup and I just want to do it somewhere else and not be in Canada. Is that, is that a thing with a guy like Johnny Goudreau? Forehand, I knew, I've known you a long time. That could be the smartest thing you've ever said. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's that, that is, that is, well, I'm so, glad it I got think, to that point. I think it's, that is so accurate. I think that's exactly what it was. Like you bring up Cass. So, so Cass obviously, you know, his, his, he ran his course in Vancouver and he asked to leave. He wanted to leave. I think he, part of it, he wanted to go to the U S part of it. He wanted to get out of the scrutiny of, of playing in Canada and, and, and the Canadian market and every single game, if you don't have a good game, you're being called on it by some writer, by some reporter, by somebody. And I think it, it does drain some people out. And I think he wanted to leave. That being said, I also was, was a little bit different situation. I didn't want to leave. And I ran my course with my contract and I kind of was, was pushed to leave. And, but I'll say it, 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 there was a little bit of relief when you do go play in the U S market where it's not the, the number one sport and you do get to kind of exhale a little bit. You do get to have a bad game and not get called on it. So I think a hundred percent, that was part of the decision. I think I, I'm sure he loved playing in Calgary and he loved his time in there, but he was there a long time. He took a lot of heat in the media. He had some great seasons, but when he didn't, 
and some of the playoff runs that ended early, he took a lot of abuse, a lot of abuse in the media. And from my experience that sometimes like as, as players, you got pretty thick skin, but when, when it starts to kind of reach home and it starts to hit your, your wife and your kids and your parents, and then they start to kind of project that on you and they take it hard, that, that amplifies, that makes it way worse. So like we, we only, again, we're speculating. It seems like that's what your show is. Like, we're just going to speculate about everything. We couldn't get you on for 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Are you allowed to swear on your show just before we get yeah, going? You swear here? all you want. Yeah, okay. yeah, so, There's more than you could imagine. Yeah. So I think, I think that, no, I think that's a big part of it for sure. Like uh, what more remote than Columbus, right. For, for hockey media and for, for the market there. So he'll have a chance to make, he's got his buddy Gabrants in there with them. He'll have a chance to, to play some good hockey and to hopefully win some games and make a little bit of a run. And uh, he has a couple bad games. He goes through a 10 game goal, you know, goal scoring drought. Nobody's going to say a word about it in Columbus. Is, uh, is Eric Goodbranson now the best recruiter in hockey? Eric Goodbranson is a, is a, is a great, a great person. I think, I think he, I was so happy for him to see the season he had in Calgary because you know, like you all know a story, like third overall, highly mm-hmm. touted guy in the NHL at 18 years old. He was a man at 18 years old. Like he was a big, strong guy. Uh, I spent a lot of time with him because him and Jason Garrison were really close. So when all three of us were at the world championships together early in his career, we spent a lot of time together and I got to know him and his dad and he's just a quality guy. And, and he had some tough years. He had some tough years with, with Anaheim and Ottawa. And he kind of bounced around a bit after you know, because everybody wants that third overall pick to provide offense, right? You, Everybody wants that offensive defense, but they want like an Ekblad. And I think they mm-hmm. all were kind of disappointed when he wasn't that guy. But there's there's a lot of value, uh, like he proved this year in Calgary, for that guy who's that tough, dependable, stay-at-home defenseman, plays hard, hard plays, great teammate, leader. Um, I went out for dinner with him this year, and I'm not going to say with who else, but there was like five other players on on their team, and they're all pretty good players. And he was the clear, he was for me, like just kind of looking from the outside in, he was the clear cut leader of the group. He was the guy that you could tell everybody valued his opinion. He kind of like, you know, navigated the conversation. He like everyone kind of like, is uh, you know, goody, what do you think? Like he was, he was the leader of that team. And I know you wouldn't look at that team and think he was, he's one of their main leaders, but that's what he was for Calgary. It's kind of like Muzzin in, in Toronto. A lot of people don't know mm. that Muzzin, Muzzin's kind of the leader in the dressing room. But you wouldn't think that with Matthews, with Marner, with Tavares, with all those other personalities, those really great hockey players. But Gabranson was kind of like that guy in Calgary. So, you know, Columbus got a good guy. They paid a lot for him, but they got a really good guy and a good hockey player. You definitely never hear a bad word said about the guy. I, I want to ask you, Kevin, because... Well, wait, you guys ran him out of town in Vancouver, didn't you? Transfer? Well, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there for most of it. <laughs> It's like you're gonna Actually, run, I, I, like you're gonna run the cab out of town before he even gets there. Me? No. <laughs> dagger. Um, <laughs> absolute dagger. I knew I should have worn a helmet. Um, <laughs> with uh, with uh, with your career, Kevin, I'm curious because you never hit unrestricted free agency. I mean, y- you did well for yourself, but you never got to July one. Right. Throughout your career, you were like locked up three days, three days before. I think I got the closest I got was three days. before. Yeah. It was after our and, cup run. Yeah, because the season ended like four days before. Right? <laughs> like, four days before. You got, and uh, Mike Gillis called, <laughs> called my agent the next morning after we lost game seven. And I was still licking my wounds and 
I think I brought my kids to, to Montessori school and, uh, and, and my agent called me and says, we're, we're going to go to the rink right now for a meeting. And we went to the rink and they offered me the deal and the rest is history. So yeah, I never, I never got there. Did you, do you ever, do you ever look back and wish you had, or I, I'm just curious to know, like as a player, you know, you, you had some unbelievable seasons. You were a, a shutdown guy who also, you know, pretty consistently produced, um, do you, do you ever sort of think back and, and wonder uh, if it would have been something, just an experience you would have wanted? So I got, I got some of the experience because, because I got so close to the deadline and we had no talks during the season of an extension. Um, mm-hmm. We were able, we were able to kind of field some offers and, and talk with some teams and figure out like, you know, if I went to the market, what the interest would be. So I, I kind of, I kind of knew like three days before, okay, I knew I had Columbus. I knew I had, Detroit. I knew I had Ottawa. I knew I had the Islanders and I knew what my range was for years and for term. And, and I had an opportunity to, to make probably like substantially more like almost, you know, half a million to a million more a year with some of those other teams. But I, I just had, I was, I love Vancouver and I didn't want to leave. So as soon as they offered me and you, you try to play hardball and you try to go in there and, and, you know, listen to their offer, but as soon as they kind of started talking, they said, we, you're a big piece, blah, blah, blah. We want you back. Like in my mind, I was like, done. Like we're, we're going to make this work. I don't even care what the term or the money is. We're going to make this work. So no, like to answer your question, I, I always preferred the security and I, and I have a couple really good friends that have just gone through the free agency process this, this year. And it's the same thing. Like, yeah, like what's your goal? Is your goal to hold out and get the best possible term and, and payout? Or is it to find a situation where you're happy, your family's happy, a place you want to be, a team? It's all about the fit. I always knew I had a good fit in Vancouver, so I didn't really want to test the market. How tough is that with an agent? And, and look, Kurt Overhart was your guy, and he's you know he's he's a highly ethical guy. He's a good dude, and and you know GMs speak well of him. But just generally, you know, agents want to keep the market at a certain level. So yeah. does does that happen a lot where an agent will say, no, 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 don't settle for that, even though you're ready to go because you know it's the right fit and they want to squeeze out a little bit more. And, and sometimes it might mean making a hard decision. Well, your agent knows what your market value is. That's the thing, Farhan. So like, luckily I have a really good relationship with Kurt. Like now he's turned into like one of my best friends. Right. So, but at that point though, when I was a UFA, like we were still really close. Uh, we had a good relationship. We were able to talk some things through, but he knew what my priorities were. So even going back to my, my contract before that, when I signed a deal for, three years after uh, like my first kind of breakout season, it was important for me where I slotted in for payment on the team. Like I didn't want to make more than Matias Olin because he was the highest paid defenseman. He was our best defenseman by far. And I just didn't think I deserved to get paid more from the way it all worked out with the contract and the signing bonus. I ended up making a little bit more uh, on, on the AAV than he did. We had to call him and, I thought it was important for, for Dave Norris to call him and get permission from him before I signed this deal. So then fall the next contract. It, <laughs> That's it, a it great was story. It, it was the unbelievable. Like, like with Dan Hamuse, it was very important for me. I actually called Dan Hamuse before I signed my deal after the, 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 the Stanley Cup final run. Because if you guys remember, he had just signed the big ticket the year before for 4.5 mm-hmm. to 5 years or 6 years or something like that. And I was going to be making a little bit more than him. And it was important for me to call Dan and say, just so you know, like, this is the deal I think I'm going to sign, but it's a little bit more than what you make. But I don't think I'm a better player than you. I think we're pretty equal. We had a great partnership. We have a great year. But 
it's inflation. Like my agent, my agent explains to me it's inflation. So, <laughs> so like those are the conversations you have to have depending on like what your priorities are. But Kurt was amazing through the whole process. He listened to all my concerns and everything, and and he, you know, he made the best deal for both of us. Let's talk about Mikheyev and. You know, yes. obviously a big signing here in Vancouver, and we're going to run him out of town. It's just a matter of time. Um, I don't know why. Me specifically. Me specifically, by the speci- way. You, you know, we're going to get into this because the media that you felt here in Vancouver <laughs> Juice is not even close to what it is now. Like, it's not even close, right? Like, just the volume of people. The, the Sun and Province had, like, six guys back then. Now they've got one. It's all It's all digital. It's young guys. The fact that... People talk about the scrutiny in Vancouver. It's laughable. If you came to a press conference right now for a media availability, you know, this past year, and these guys are complaining about it, and they don't even have us go in the locker room in the in the past year, right? It's yeah. insane compared to what you had to deal with post game when and forget 2011, like even in the final, like even in the lead up or the year before the regular season, the volume of coverage you guys got right now, my friend, it is child's play. It is yeah. child's play. And yet people want to complain about it, but that I'm digressing. Um, for a guy like Mikhail, <laughs> who, is, there a, is there a question here at some point? There, <laughs> yeah. will, be, there will be, there will be. Um, with, with Mikhail, like at 4.75, you know, we dealt with this with Louis Erickson at 6 million. And now the expectations are different because we know what else this player brings, but ultimately 4.75 is based on a 21 goal season and an expectation that there's a little more to give offensively. So you followed the player closely what's a reasonable expectation and you know what's the threshold of where the criticism should lie if there is any to be had well I watched Micaiah like you said I watched him every Saturday night all season so I I have a very good idea of what kind of player he was and I'll say this first of all well 4.75 a year that's a lot of money that's a ton of money for a guy who is not he'll maybe like be on the fringe of your top six but he's probably not going to be in your top six uh, you know, he might have to be at that money, but he's a fringe top six guy. But what he was for Toronto this year, him and, and Pierre Engvall, they were the reason why they had so much depth at forward. So you obviously have like the big four, the Nylander, Tavares, Marner, Matthews. And those two guys, though, I thought a lot of nights pushed the pace. Mikheyev mm-hmm. is uh, his speed. Like, do you guys remember that one clip when he skated side by side with McDavid? the whole way of the ice, the whole length of the ice last <laughs> yeah. year. Like he, mm-hmm. he has, he has McDavid speed, but he's like big. He's six, three. He's not, he's not super aggressive. Like he's not like an inflector. He's not like a Milan Lucic, but he's not, he doesn't back down for anyone. He'll, he'll make those hard plays where he gets the puck and he'll get going a hundred miles an hour and he'll take the puck wide and he'll dip his shoulder and he'll bulldoze his way to the net. Those are the kind of guys as a defenseman that are hard to play against. So he'll but make it, Vancouver a little bit harder to play against. But farhand, but that being said, he didn't have a good playoffs. He was he was invisible against Tampa Bay. So he had a great regular season. Almost every game that I watched him play, he was noticeable. He was a driver. He had uh, not a not a bad playoffs, but he wasn't as noticeable. But I don't know. That being said, somebody sees a ton of potential in him to sign him for that kind of money. Is it enough though, right? Like, cause I asked, I asked uh, Patrick Alvin today, I said, you know, like 21's his high watermark. Prior to that, it was eight. Um, you know, and he's not a kid. He's 27 years old. So, it, you know, if you fall short of that, you know, or, where does the money fall? Like, is, is it enough to do all the other extra things and to be a play driver and to push the pace if ultimately the, the points aren't there? And secondly, you know, I like Dave Boland, your favorite guy from Chicago days is, is a great example oh, yeah. of a player. I who, love him. <laughs> Right. Like guys, guys like him, 
you know, he was a guy that was a third line center in Chicago, got elevated to a second line center when Toronto signs him. Just Loser. not good enough. Just not good enough. <laughs> right. So like, is a guy like McKay, somebody who can handle a bigger role? Well, we'll see. He's going to have to, right? At, at 4.75, he's going to have to. And I, I hate talking about money, but money obviously factors in a, in, in the market. But yeah, he's going to have to play with Pedersen or he's going to have to play with Bo. He might be good for Bo. He might be good. Bo, yeah. Bo would be good with a really speedy, big, strong winger. Um, how was Vancouver's penalty kill last year? Not too good, tragedy. was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tra- it was a tragedy. And he's, an, he's a great penalty killer. He creates a lot of offense. He's fast. He's smart. He's a great penalty killer. So it's just like, what, what do you value? Like, do you expect when you start paying a lot of money for players, do you expect only offense? It's almost like back to the Gabranson thing. Like, is all you expect is offense. He's going to do a lot of things for that team. He's going to make them faster. He's make them harder to play against, bigger, a little bit tougher. And, you know, is that worth it to you? Or does it have to come with 21 goals a year? Like, he might get 15 a year. He might get 15 this year in Vancouver, but bring all those other intangibles. And I mean, they're tangibles as well. So, I don't know. Like, you guys will see, you know, the product. Now, when you're making that kind of money, you're you're in the microscope. He played in Toronto, but, you know, he played in Toronto as kind of a guy who is overachieving. Now he's making a lot of money. And that goes back to, like, your agent and what you want to get paid. When you're making the big money, here comes the scrutiny. When I was making $500,000 and I had 42 points, I was the best thing ever. <laughs> I was the best thing since Farhan. You were telling me like every day you're right in my stall. Oh, Kevin, you're the best. Like, great game. You're amazing. And then all of a sudden when I'm making the most out of any defenseman, you're, you didn't come talk to me for like three years. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it. We always didn't talk to you because you love the camera. You're already setting up for your television career and you always had a quip. Come on. People told That's us, true. fans told us we were soft on you. Like Botchford, God rest his soul, was the only guy at the end who was criticizing. Everybody said we were soft on you because we liked you too much. It's true. Juice is just shook. And he's, he's off the stage. He's speechless. <laughs> you know, it, was only the last. it was only Juice, we got you back? Folks. Yeah, go. that was my bad. I... I got out. I didn't. I didn't want to hear the end of that. You don't want to hear us saying <laughs> nice things that that we were soft on you. I remember that. I don't playoffs think against Calgary. You were sick as a dog. We were all making excuses for you. Are you kidding me? I had a I had a lung infection, and I still and I was getting run <laughs> by Furland that that mutant every shift. And I and I still and I still was like plus five in the series. I did my I had my guy. Hey, you're you're. You guys ever listen to like some of the comments in your thread? They're hilarious. Oh, yeah, no, people no, are great. We generally do follow along. VIPs are the best. They're they're Fine. unreal. Well, and we'll open we'll we'll open up the mic for some of them to ask you some questions. I just wanna I wanna quickly juice ask for you, Prime well, Minister. So what? Because I'll get Corey into Corey A said he had four points in seven games against Tampa. Corey, watch the games. Watch the games. He wasn't as effective as he was in the regular season. Yeah, he was. He, he definitely was. Your, I'm calling out your listeners now. <laughs> no, as you should, especially for. I mean, my thing. My thing with Mikheyev, I, I see him as kind of like lefty, slightly bigger Yannick Hansen, right? And and those are my favorite types of players. Like play driving, fast, defensively responsible wingers are guys who I always defend. I just think when you sign a guy like that for that type of money, you know. 
it, it's tough, particularly because this club didn't take care of other cap business. So now it feels like another shoe, like they need to make another move to upgrade this defense core. And I just think that's tough once you're pot committed. You know, it's easier to clear money out when the rest of the league doesn't think you have to clear money out. Now everyone knows. You know, so you, I just think you know it's you guys needed? gonna be tough. You guys, you guys needed my buddy Ben Sherratt. That's who you guys needed there in Vancouver. You needed a guy like him. Someone like that. I agree, yeah. Or Josh Manson or like one of those kind of guys. That's who you needed to compliment Quinn and uh yeah. and help out a little bit there. But I mean there's still there's still time. There's still some D out there, so we'll see what uh what your guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you this because uh Curtis Lazar, who the Canucks also signed, right? Uh, yep. He's from Salmon Arm. He's from Salmon Arm. So he grew up rooting for the Canucks of your era. Okay. So he was asked about that. And, and this was the list of players that he gave that he looked up to growing up. You ready for this? It's an incredible list. Can't wait. Matt Cook. Matt Cook. Matt Cook. Raf- <laughs> Matt Cook, Rafi Torres, Rafi Torres, and Rick yeah. Rippin. Yeah. What, what's your reaction to that? That's all. Those are those are great players to look up to. Those were all three <laughs> super entertaining. They're all, if I believe it, I think they're all unsung heroes at, at one point, or they were fan favorites. Those were three super entertaining guys that loved to be physical. Uh, that were all great teammates. Um, Rafi's one of my favorite teammates ever. Obviously, Rick. Everybody knows my history with Rick. He's one of my best friends ever. So uh, I so I know Curtis Lazar like small world. My my partner in California, who I started my academy with four years ago, and uh, we've been coaching together for the last six, he's basically the guy that's trained Curtis Lazar since he was a little kid. So he still skates him in Kelowna every summer. So uh, Curtis is like one of the guys that I've always kind of cheered for. And I, and I know a lot about him through my partner, Dean. So um, like he's one of those guys, maybe like a Troy Stetcher, where he grows up and he loves the Vancouver Canucks and he grew up in the area. And it's it's a dream come true to play for that team. And I think you'll get the absolute most out of him. Uh, like you did Troy Stetcher. I thought Stetch had his best years as a Canuck as well. It's the same kind of thing, right? So pumped up to play for the team. And uh, Curtis is one of those steady guys. I kind of like, uh, you remember Ryan Johnson before he was the GM of the Utica uh, AHL team? He was kind of that same guy, that fourth line guy who was did everything, penalty killed, was a leader in the room. I think Lazaro will be kind of that kind of guy. All right. We're going to open this up to questions. Now, I want to warn our VIPs, right? I accept, I accept um, you know, your, your shtick when it's directed at me and especially when it's directed at Farhan. But with, with Juice, our esteemed guest, uh, you know, be on your best behavior because otherwise I'm pretty sure you're going to get crushed. No, I got thick skin. <laughs> I, I got thick skin. Come, come at me. That's fine. <laughs> All right. We're going we're gonna to open the floor first to Conrado P. All right. You ready, Conrado? Hello, guys. You can hear me? We can. Conrado, yep. what, what do you awesome. want to ask about? Um, uh, my question is for Kevin. And I wanted to talk about a couple of your teammates who we just uh, were lucky enough to see get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, Lou and, and the Twins. Um, we all know that their work ethics were pretty legendary over the years. And they set the standard for you guys during the late 2000s and 2010s. Well, the, well, the Twins were. The Twins were. 
<laughs> Goalies don't work out. We all know that, right? Um, I just wanted to know, like, a favorite story of yours from any of those guys and, like, where you realize, like, holy shit, this is what, like, makes them tick and, like, some of the best players in the world. And uh, um, thanks for your time, guys. And, uh, I, Kevin, I want to see you in a turtleneck to show up for each next year. <laughs> I don't think I can pull off a turtleneck, but I'll, I don't know if this is uh, the best story, but I'll tell you a, a, an entertaining story. So we all know, like, you guys know what kind of people the Sedins are, right? Like, best human beings ever. Can't say enough about them. Humble. Never tripped anyone. I, I, I told Michael Samuelson, they're the only two teammates that I played with for thir- or for 10 years, seen every day, and not one time that they ever annoy me, aggravate me, anything, right? Like, Easy going guys. So never tripped anyone in the room. They would just kind of sit back and they would, they would watch me and Kessler and Burroughs kind of throw insults around and daggers at each other, Shane O'Brien, and they would just sit back and laugh. The one time we're in Colorado and it was the year that Luongo was the captain and we had a really bad first period and we came, we came into the dressing room. I can still picture it. We came into the dressing room and this ties all three of those hall, you know, future hall of famers together. We're in the dressing room and, and Louis like stood up and he started saying, guys, what are we doing? Like, what's our system? Like, what are we supposed to do in the control breakout? We're supposed to have like the D go into one corner. So Luongo's trying to like go over like the systems of like what we're playing, <laughs> but like to his you know defense, he's a goaltender. He doesn't know what's going on in front of him. Like, right. So he's going over everything <laughs> and Henrik, Henrik kind of says, and everyone's quiet. Like he's our captain, right? We're listening to him. And Henrik just kind of says, quietly, just stop the puck, Lou. <laughs> and it goes dead silent. And everybody looks around and he goes, and he's, and like Louis standing up commanding the room. And he goes, what? And he goes, and then now Henrik kind of like with a half-assed smile, sheepishly goes, just stop the puck, Lou. We got the rest. <laughs> and the room just erupts in laughter. So that, that's one of my favorite, favorite stories. We're all three of those guys tied together. How did Lou react to that? Well, he he didn't like it, but like I don't think it was it was one of those situations where like he just tried to make light a little bit of levity, right? Like it was it was a tough time. Like obviously he didn't like it, but it was it was funny, right? But like oh, I, I don't think he meant it dis- disrespectfully. I think it was just one of those things where we were just getting yelled at by the coach. Now we're getting yelled at by our goalie, and it's just like enough, right? But but those two guys, like the the Sedins, obviously they're. I, I said it in their retirement speech. Like they they were unbelievable athletes. They trained as hard as anyone. They were always second and third every year in testing. So they they, they got they got the most out of everything. They were always second and third. They did really good every year. They were good. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard I heard Mikhail Samuelson's the only guy who ever beat them. Is that true? No, not true. Not nope. true. They were second and third every year. For 10 years, they were second and third. <laughs> so you insist you were first. I uh, I don't can't remember ever losing to them in anything. Definitely not in chin-ups or the two-mile run. San, actually, Mike Santor, Santorelli, he beat them in the oh, two-mile right. run by a matter of seconds. So Tortorella had this uh, – he still does it. He's got a two-mile run that you have to complete in under 12 minutes. So two six-minute miles. I, I still do it to this day because of torts. Like – I text towards like every couple months and I, and we talk, we keep in touch and I still tell him, you know what? I can still 
make that two mile run towards. But what he did is we did it at BC place on the turf. So far on, you would appreciate this. Torts put like pylons on the turf at BC place in a square. So we had to run it. I, I didn't have to run it actually on the turf because I was injured. So Kessler and I did it on the treadmill, which was way easier anyways. But with they, the guys had to run it in a square. So every time they would get to the end, they had to like do like a, like a 90 degree turn on turf. Like that makes it a lot harder, a lot harder. Right. But Santa, Santarelli was the only guy that actually beat them in that. And then Kessler and I beat them, but it was on the treadmill. So I don't count that one. But other than that, yeah, twins are awesome. <laughs> All right. We're going to bring Daniel B up to the stage. Daniel B. Daniel, you got G'day, it. Daniel. Guys. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Awesome. Um, really good to join you guys. Uh, love what you do, Drancer and Farhan, on your fancast. Uh, and, yeah, fanboying a bit out here for Biaxa. You're my favorite Canucks player of all time. I'm sitting at a Melbourne uh, roadhouse, barbecue roadhouse, <laughs> enjoying some lunch. Uh, should be at work. So, anyway, um, my question was to Kev. Um, so... How do you see this Canucks team? Obviously, we had a lot of signings today. Um, but would you see them, in terms of saying 2011, uh, would you see this as like a t- 2009 team, 2010 team, or earlier? Do you think there's a lot to go, or do you think we're pretty close? Settle down, Daniel. You're going to give them a 2010 <laughs> 11 team already? <laughs> they signed two, two guys. Uh, I mean, I, in all seriousness, um, They've made the playoffs once in the last six or seven years, I think it was, right? The bubble year. Um, it, it's still a work in progress. It, it's still building around the core pieces, the Quinn Hughes, Patterson, Bo, um, whether or not JT Miller's still there at the start of the season. Uh, it's got a way to go. It's got a way to go. You got you to gotta be a little bit patient. I know it's tough in a Canadian market because – you know, you want to win now. You don't want to wait it out. And, and Canuck fans have been waiting a long time. And uh, I think, you know, the pieces they added today will, will definitely help. But they're in a tough division. They got a ways to go. Like, they got to wait a little bit until, you know, Quinn Hughes is he's got a couple more years before he's probably in his absolute prime. Patterson has to continue to get better and be more effective, more consistent. Uh, they have to keep adding around them. It's gonna, it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a couple more years. The the good thing is, and we haven't even mentioned him, is is Thatcher Demko. I actually voted for Demko. He was in my Vesna uh, conversation, and he was actually in a little bit in my heart conversation, which is a little bit bizarre because. But when you actually read the criteria of the award, it's most valuable player to his team. Who is more valuable to their team than Thatcher Demko this year? Well, Austin Matthews maybe maybe a couple other guys, but he's certainly in the top 10 for me. So he's the one guy that could expedite this whole process. But um, I mean, I, I wouldn't look at these signings today and say, okay, now these guys are a cup contending team. Like I think the process is get back in the playoffs, get back in the playoffs and then, you know, build from that in the coming years. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, before we cut Juice loose, we're going we're gonna to get to two more questions. Juice, thanks so much for your time and the half hour you put in while we, um, you know, fucked around, frankly, trying to figure this out. Um, it feels like four hours I've been on. Here. I know. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> we appreciate it. Well, uh, come on, you're loving it. It feels like five minutes. It's moving fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Keep her coming. Keep her coming. Let's get more fan comments. They have yeah. better questions, anyways. For sure. Always. Here's uh, here's one from Blake B. Blake. Blake B. You got us. Can you hear me? There we go. Yeah, we can. So I just had a question about some stuff that's went down today, specifically like. Max Pacioretty getting traded for basically negative value. Like the guy's a point of game guy that can put up. Yeah, but but he's a point. Sorry, Blake, we're having audio issues with you. I I just had to mute you. I'm sorry. I was um, getting too much interference and I'm still too fresh off of COVID for that. Um, We'll we'll come back to you in a bit. I'm sorry. Uh, Terrence V, I'm going to call up you. Terrence, how are you? Hey, gentlemen, can you hear me okay? We can. All right, amazing. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, Yeah, free agency was a lot of fun to watch this year. A lot of really cool moves happening. Um, With Mikheyev and Lazar and um, all the new pieces that are coming in, um, I'm just wondering how you uh, guys feel that uh, the current roster players uh, will potentially fit in uh, into next year's roster. I mean, provided there isn't any like elaborate trades, particularly Dickinson. I've been actually rooting for this guy since uh, Benning traded for him last year. And I know he had a really tragic season. So I'm just wondering uh, even just specifically how he might fit in uh, moving forward. Uh, elaborate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, in comparison to, it, uh, as compared to expectations that we may have had for him, um, maybe, maybe expectations were unrealistic or maybe he just had a really tough transition from Dallas. Um, but anyway, love to hear your insights, Kevin, huge fan. Um, thanks for all you do, Thomas. Hope you're feeling better and Farhan, you're awesome as always. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Terrence. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, yeah, Juice, you go. Well, I just think, like, I think he's asking where they slot in. I think Lazar is the fourth line centerman. Uh, mm-hmm. Penalty killer, takes big draws. He's a righty, so he'll take a lot of the big draws on the right side. On his uh, backhand side, Horvat and Patterson are obviously lefties. JT Miller's a lefty. So I, I'm a big guy in faceoffs. I think, like, our success we had in 2010 was because we had Kessler on the right and we had Manny and, and Hank on the left. So that mm-hmm. that's his value. I think he's. He's a, you know, he's a gamer that way. I think Mikheyev, like we just talked about, he'll play probably in the top six. He's, uh, he'll be a first penalty killer. I don't know if he'll be a power play guy. He got a little bit more power play time with Toronto near the end of the season. So maybe you want him to be like a second unit power play guy because 
that first unit's pretty dialed in anyways. And um, he'll probably be in the top two lines. I'm thinking he'll either play with Bo or with Petey. So that, that's kind of where I see those guys playing. With uh, with regards to Dickinson, you you see a you see a bounce back possibility there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I I don't know what the what the ceiling is for him. Um, to be honest, like he he's kind of like their their third line centerman, the guy that they want to be <clears throat> defensive responsible and uh, yeah, like I think he's gonna have to have a better year for them for sure. I, I think a lot of people, you know, the years that we we didn't do well, like I missed the playoffs, I think two years. And I think those are the years where like every single guy kind of looks at themselves and thinks I have to be better. Like, what can I do to be better? Like, obviously we didn't make the playoffs. And part of that is, is on me. Like if he's one of those guys that looks at himself and says, okay, what can I do to be better? Then he'll kind of approach that year. Like he has to have a better year. He's got to be defensively responsible. Like for me, he looks like a guy who's a face-off guy, a tight checker, uh, maybe chips in for offense once in a while, like kind of like a Manny Mahalter kind of guy. Like that's kind of the way his game should be structured, I think. Yeah. All right, let's get to one more juice, and then we'll cut you loose. Last, well, last question for Kevin, and I'm sorry for everyone else who has their hand up in the queue. Goes to David D. Hi, can you hear me? David, you got us. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear me? All right. Yep. Thanks so much for taking my call. Hi, Juice. Uh, I'm sorry you had to stick with us, Canucks nerds, uh, on a beautiful summer day. Uh, I just wanted to ask you a spicy question, one that might rile up the fan base. So, sure uh, Burris was a worthy uh, Ring of Honor recipient. He scored the goal at Slay the Dragon. But I wanted to ask you, because for me, your stanchion goal that got us to the Cup Finals was so memorable. Do you see yourself in the Ring of Honor one day? Thanks for taking my call. So I always tell Burr, Burr, you're, you're all, I love Burroughs, right? He's my boy from day one, even though I tried to fight him the very first uh, inner squad game we had in the minor leagues. Like I actually, <laughs> I actually threw him into Alex Ald was our goalie in the, in the minors. I threw him into the, into the net. Alex Ald got out of the way. He was in the net and I stood in, in the crease and I blocked him and I wouldn't let him out of the net. And the puck went all the way down the ice and I just wanted to like embarrass him. So that's the way our relationship started and it ended in a great friendship. So I absolutely love her. I think he's super deserving to be in the ring of honor because like when you talk about like, what's the ring of honor is it's not the ring of statistics. It's not like the ring of who scored the most goals or who was, you know, who had the most points. It's the ring of honor. Like, like who's more honorable than Alex Burroughs, who a guy who was undrafted started his year, his career in the East Coast League, waited for his opportunity in the AHL, played the whole lockout year in the AHL as a fourth line player with Brandon Nolan and Jesse Schultz. Like he was a fourth liner. Like Kess and I were power play. Like Kess was second line center. I was like second defenseman. Like we we had substantial roles. Burr was a fourth line player during the lockout year. Next year he works his way up the lineup. Then he waits for an opportunity. Then he gets to the NHL. And he never looks back. And he scores 30 goals consecutive times. Heart and soul guy for the team. Great teammate. Never complained. Longevity. So how would you not want that guy? That guy is super deserving to be in the ring of honor. What was the second part of the question? I don't even remember. I just rambled. Whether you thought you were going to get there. Oh, I, 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 Farhan, I don't care about that. Yeah, but you've got a pretty special relationship with the city. And, like, I, I have no doubt you're going to get in there at some point. It's just a case of when. But, um 
you know, like as an honor itself, it might not mean so much, but the connection to the market, the franchise, I'm sure does. Juice, we still got you? That might be our cue. Yeah. Oh, here, here, he's trying to raise his hand again. Here, are you hearing me again? Yeah, we got you again. I'm going to blame that one on you guys. That wasn't me. I didn't do anything. (laughs) No, that's that's fair. The whole thing was blamed on us. But look, my my point is is that while you don't care about the honor, because that's not why you played the game, what that honor symbolizes, because like you said, it's not the ring of statistics. It's about the franchise. It's about the fan base. It's about resonating with them. Like just that side of it would probably mean a lot to you, I would imagine. It, it would for him, but I'm I'm the the, the least self promoter you'll ever meet. I like if I'm I'm not gonna. Sorry, I, I think when you broke up again, you said you're the least. Yeah, you, I know. Oh yeah, shoot! Know. Oh, you broke up. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I think so I think you think you're talking to Kess right now. You're you're talking to Kess. <laughs> so I'm I'm not gonna go on radio shows and tell everybody that I should be in the ring and a ring of honor. I I really don't care. All right. We'll take, I we'll take your word for it. But I, yeah. I, 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 I think you're going to get there. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Se- I, so, seventh, so, all-time, seventh all-time games played. You, you, got, you got a statistical case, too. But I do think it's the connection to the market. The fact that you're the first, like, Canuck that we've really ever had on Hockey Night. All that stuff, I think, puts you over the top. But you have the statistical <laughs> case, too. You can make a case for a lot of different players. Whatever. Like... If you wanted to make a case for me, you could. If you if you don't like me, then you could obviously make a case against me. That that stuff's not important to me. Like, uh, I had a great great ten years in Vancouver. I have a lot of great friends. You can't take any of that away from me. If if you like, a lot of this came up because of, of an article that came out in the Athletic from Lisa Dillman in January. Uh, sorry, it came out recently, but we actually did the article in January, and she right. asked me. We we're having a very frank conversation at the coffee shop outside, just outside of my neighborhood. And this was something that happened before COVID, like pre-COVID. And, I, and I'm sure you guys know the story. Like we had a, a, an agreement with Vancouver that I was going to sign a one-day contract. So this, when was that? That was two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. <laughs> and yeah, and it honestly, the idea came up from my dad. My dad was talking to me and he goes, why don't you sign a one-year, one-day contract with the Canucks and retire as a Canuck? And I said, why? Like my dad lives in Vancouver, guys. I don't know if you know that. He's he moved to Vancouver like my second last year. He's been there ever since. President of his union, loves the city, loves the people. So he's still there. And he's like, people always ask like about your team and you and all that. And it would be great just for closure to retire at Canuck. And I'm like, whatever, dad. Like I don't care. But like I'll kind of if it makes you happy, then we'll see. Like so, Kurt reached out. They said, yeah, great. We actually had the date planned. It was March 28th. COVID hit March 15th. And then all of a sudden, understandably, everything went away. Season was canceled or whatever. So this came up again, but it's not like a new concept. And and now it's all, it's got a little bit of steam. And I don't even like the attention of it. I, I just wanted it to be like a really quiet. Uh, I, I didn't want to even come there. I almost wanted it to be a quiet thing and almost like a thing for me and my family and you know, maybe some of the fans, but now like who knows where it stands. And now like, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that guys, but like, I, I didn't, I didn't want the attention of it. I just wanted it to be like a nice little thing. Cause I always seen myself as a Canuck. I came up in the organization. I was drafted by them, gave my heart and soul for the team. They treated me unbelievable. They treated my family unbelievable. I love the city. So that's kind of where that came from, but whether that happens, 
it doesn't really matter anymore. Whether the Ring of Honor happens doesn't really matter anymore. Anything's going to happen, honor, but not expected. It's going to happen just so that we can hear the speech, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but no more, no more speeches. No more speeches. Yeah, no, because you should. I can't. You should, I can't speech was an all-timer. Myself. I can't call. I can't carve myself. <laughs> but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if the twins came up and gave your speech and just all of a sudden showed uh, us a side of them we never knew they had? The twins said to me after after my speech at their their ceremony, they said, "You they were they were nervous. Like it's everybody can speak, but when you're in like on that stage in the arena with twenty thousand fans, who knows who else is watching? And if you guys have ever spoke on the ice, the audio is terrible. Like you can't even hear yourself. It's really muffled." The people in the crowd can hear you, but you can't actually hear yourself on the ice. So it's just a terrible situation, right? For somebody who's a little bit nervous as a speaker. And this, the twins said when I went up there and I was just ripping on them, it made them so much less nervous and, and a lot calmer for when they went up. They actually had a pretty good uh, chirp towards me and their and their speech. They're like, we don't like to talk a lot. Kevin does or something like that. Like, I thought it was hilarious, <laughs> but... No, that that was that was a fun night for sure. That night was hilarious. The way it ended was amazing. We're at the the park casino, and the people that were sitting around in a circle, like Mark Crawford, uh, Marcus Naslin, Trevor, Cass, all of our wives. It was just such a great night. Hey, I want to ask you one thing. It was a memorable one. Yeah, you talked about Go for um, coming up in the organization. Right. Like, you, you know, you, you talked about even during that lockout year and the guys that you played with and guys that all eventually made it to the big club. And this organization hasn't had that for so long. There's been nothing coming up. The best prospects get fast tracked. They haven't, you know, done the job of developing where they can mine talent and lower picks, you know, with what's happened in the minors. You know, they're in a good situation now where they want to commit a little bit more to it. They brought it closer, all of it. Like, how much does that matter? Just being able to come through as a group of young players together. It was awesome. I think it makes it so much more fulfilling when you, you like it, like Josh Manson this year wins the Stanley cup. He, he goes to Colorado at the deadline. I'm not taking anything away from that experience. Cause I'm sure it was amazing, but like he, he didn't start in the minors with those guys. He didn't go through the trenches with them. He didn't miss the playoffs with them. He didn't go through all the workouts, all the heartbreak that I don't know. I just think there's, and and would I trade places with them? I, like maybe, yeah, I probably would to win a Stanley Cup. But to come up with those guys and to go through everything together, to start as young guys, to to start with girlfriends and then they become wives and then have kids, and and to have the success that we did, it, it was unbelievable. When I like the the twins are a year older than me and they were in the league four years before. But when I came to the team. They were, I think Henrik was just getting, or Daniel was just getting married. Henrik was about to get married. And we all had our kids within a year together. And Cass and Burr, same thing. All had our kids together. Luongo comes. We all have our kids. Willie Mitchell, uh, then Hamus and Manny and everybody. Like, we all kind of grew up together. We all went from, like, young men to, like, adults with families and I know that that makes it special for sure. You can't take anything away from that. Like the bonds that you have when you, especially like when you, with me, Kess and Burr, like you struggle together, right? You struggle in the minors. I was making $35,000 a year in the minors. I made more in Subway as a 19 year old when I was like part time. And <laughs> like, I made more, I made more as a sandwich artist, like whole wheat or, or white. What do you want? Right? Like uh, what there's a commercial right there. 
I, I was uh, I was one of the best. I was actually voted top sandwich artist, and no, I wasn't. <laughs> but uh, would you like some juice with that? Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like thirty five grand a year in the miners, like we would we would like make our money go as far as it could. I slept on a, a blow up mattress my whole year in the miners, and uh, wow. guys guys came. I, I shared a, an apartment with Thomas Mojis, who was a high end prospect defenseman, Czech guy, great guy. He had like he had like a normal bed. I had a blow up mattress from Canadian Tire. We had a TV that I brought from home because I U hauled from Ontario, and we put it on a box, like one of the boxes that we brought our stuff in. So we had a box in the living room <laughs> with a TV on it, no no couch or chairs, just carpet. And I remember the one night, like Josh Green and Jeff Harima and some of the older guys came to our condo in between, like going from one place to the next, and it was like the worst decision I ever made because everybody walked in and they're like, what the fuck is this place right now? Like it was literally empty with like a box and a TV on it and a couple blow up mattresses. And I was so embarrassed, but like, that's, that's the way it is in the miners. Like you, you go from college and, and you guys know, like you have no money in college and you're just grinding. And then you go to pro hockey and you think you're a pro hockey player, but you're making less than a sandwich artist. Like you bond over that stuff. And then when you make it to the NHL and you have families and you have success, it makes it that much sweeter. Juice. Thank you so much for joining us, for taking questions from our audience, for like working through our tech issues, your patience, everything. We thank you. Our VIPs. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this live edition of the VanCast and for breaking down some of Canucks free agency. We, we can't thank you enough. No worries, guys. I got a couple hey. of questions in me if if you want to fire because I'm reading yeah? some of your comments and there's some yeah like sure. I do glass and, hey, beautiful. And before I forget, to do. Give, give my <laughs> Let's thank go. Katie, thank Katie Forrest for letting us keep you this long. Yeah, I don't even know where she is. She's gone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's left. I haven't seen her in hours. I don't know where the kids are gone. Like it's me and my brother-in-law sitting at the kitchen table drinking wine, talking to you guys. So Beautiful. that's my night. It's a good night. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll call up Cole P. Cole P. What's Cole P. got to say? I don't know. I don't think he made it on stage. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for staying for another few questions. For the record, uh, I know you're not American there, Juice. That was a great <laughs> Guzzler interview. Um, one question just for the esteemed panel here, and I think this is where Brett was going before his mic crapped out. 
Uh, Canucks obviously did a, a few things. I think there's still some more uh, work to do there that they're working on, but all the big movements in the Pacific seem to be with the other teams, uh, especially with Calgary and, and Vegas. And I wonder what you guys think that that side is going to look like with those teams changing like they are and, and Los Angeles adding Fiala. Is it going to be a completely different dynamic? Uh, that's the question. Thanks. Thanks, Cole. Yeah, like it's it's always going to be a different dynamic and, and there's going to be a lot more. Like this is the first day of free agency. You have to remember that. Like it, it's going to go on for the next five weeks, right? And there's going to be changes to, to all the teams. Everyone's looking to get stronger. Uh, I look at like right now, I look at it as, as I don't think the Pacific Division has is, is, is gotten that much stronger. I think Calgary's gotten weaker. I think Arizona's yep. Arizona, right? I think LA had a really good year last year and they added Fiala. So that's good. Like Anaheim, Anaheim's added Vetrano. You know, they've added Strom. They're still really young. So they're probably going to be a little bit better next year. But I don't know. I, I don't see any reason why, you know, you know, Vancouver can't get in the mix next year. Like I think, I don't know. Like I just don't know about Calgary. I think losing, losing Gaudreau, losing Gabranson, who knows about Kachuk. I don't know, like, Cal- like Edmonton's Edmonton. Like you always have McDavid and, and Drysaddle to deal with, and Kane's coming back. But you know, Vancouver has to make a push at some point, and and it certainly isn't daunting. Like I don't think there's been unbelievable additions in, in the Pacific Division. Like they still have a chance to, to do something special. And again, I'll, I'll reiterate, Demko. You have Demko. That's the the one thing. Like when we when we picked up Luongo, and I chirped him earlier, but I'll give him a little bit of credit now. When we picked up Luongo, we became legit. When you get a goalie, when you get like a top goalie in the league, you're legit. So, you know, that's that's the ace in the hole. You have Demko in that. You just have to score a couple goals and defend in front of them, and you have a chance to win any game. So I have this sort of theory, and I was actually arguing with uh, – Who's with this Daniel B guy? Who's this Daniel B guy? He's got some Why? funny comments. He's like, Kraken or trash? <laughs> like, where, does that, where does that come from? I, mean, I agree, that's, but where does that truth. come from? <laughs> Kraken Crack Starting the rivalry early. Yeah, Canucks fans, fans love the struggles of Seattle. Like, it, it is what it is. Um, so, I was arguing with some Flame staff who I, I think are lower on the team than I am. You know, I think... At the end of the day, Kachuk's the big one for me because so long as Kachuk stays, like if you're rolling out Mangiapane, um, Lindholm, and Kachuk as a top line, I'm not saying Mangiapane's Gaudreau, but I still think you're really fucking good, especially with that top four and Jacob Markstrom. Like I still think Calgary, even minus Gaudreau, is the team to beat in the Pacific. And I still think Vegas is going to bounce back. I mean, Pacioretty's a big loss, but that team's still loaded. Like that team still, I still think they're the two best teams in the Pacific. And I'd sort of okay. put Edmonton there in third and then Vancouver and LA sort of in the same tier, um, you know, with, with like a chance of, of setting any of those teams, of course, but that would sort of be my tiering would be Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton, and then Vancouver, LA in some order. I'd probably give Vancouver an edge at this point based on Demco. Um, and then, and then the other three teams, uh, probably Anaheim and then, um, Seattle, San Jose and, um, and, uh, 
Arizona in some order. Um, would you quibble with that? Yeah, I don't mind that. What if Vancouver grabs Edler from LA at the deadline? Then they're then they get pushed over. Then they're making. <laughs> then they make them. <laughs> no, I'm just stirring the pot. Um, no, or or juice, or juice coming out of retirement. Yeah, or juice. Uh, hey, Farhan, I'm in, I'm in great shape right now. I won't lie to you. Are you? It's all that beach time. All the beach time right here. Um, you gotta stay ready, right? You gotta stay ready. What do you make? No, what do you make of the two goalies, Montreal or in Edmonton and Toronto? Jack Campbell goes to. Uh, Jack Campbell goes to Edmonton, and you look at Toronto, yeah. and you know, did, did they get better there? Like, are, are either one of those teams in that much better position now? Toronto's a tough one for me. I, I don't know. Like, Campbell had a great year last year. Mrazic was hurt a lot. Like, that was the thing about Mrazic. Like, they just couldn't rely on him. So, like, I understand moving him and moving his contract. And, and now they're bringing in two guys, and they're going to kind of see what they have. Like, Murray. Like it, it's like Dubas has a relationship with him. So he trusts him. He knows what he's capable of it. You know, he hasn't shown it in the last year or two, but Dubas obviously knows something and he, and he's going to put his neck on the line for Matt Murray. So you got to kind of trust the people, you know, he feels like Murray's going to be the guy who can kind of get them going and put them over the edge or at least give them solid goal time. They have like a legit backup. Um, I don't know. Goaltending is tough for me. Like, that's what I mean. Like when you have a guy like Demko, like you're so lucky when you, when you're in Anaheim and your team is rebuilding and you have a guy like John Gibson, like you're lucky, like you have a chance, you have a chance to win any game when you have like a, an elite goalie. If I'm an NHL team, I would spend a lot of money on goalies. I would, I would go after a top end goalie. And that being said, did Kemper have a, a big hand in winning the cup for, for Colorado this year? Not a huge, not a huge hand, right? Not as much as a, a Vasilevsky of Tampa Bay one. So I don't know, like maybe I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but I, I was always, I always felt really good knowing that I had the better goalie in my, in my net before the game started, before the puck was dropped. It's one of those things. It's one of those yeah. things that you, um, you maybe don't need until you need it so badly. You know, it's a, uh, it's a hard one to handicap. Hey, let's go with. Uh, I remember when we. With, oh, sorry. Go. No, I was just going to say, like, I'll, I'll remember going down to uh, to Anaheim when the Canucks played the Ducks in that playoff series. The year Anaheim won the Cup, and you know, Berkey, when he was asked about it, he said he goes, you know, the one thing he could never get done that Nonus got done was the goaltending situation. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what, Farhan, we were beat up that year too. Like I. I'm not taking any way, anything away from Anaheim that year. They were the best team in the NHL that year by far. Like they were big, they were tough, they were skilled, they were fast. They had they had depth. Their third line was the best third line in the NHL. But when we when they got to us and you know we we had Dallas right like so we were we were up on Dallas and you know we ended up going to seven games and and a lot long of guys overtimes were pretty pretty banged up long overtimes like that quadruple overtime that was the first playoff game I ever play so quadruple overtime played a lot body ends up so i ended up tearing three muscles in my abdominal in game six because just on a simple clearing on a penalty kill where a guy you're letting him put a stick in the way and i had to shoot the puck out through a stick i tore three muscles in my abdominal and i really still think it was because of that quadruple overtime game in game one 
it, it just it just wore down us down so much. When we got to Anaheim, like they were so good, and we needed everything in our power to beat these guys, and we just weren't we weren't healthy. Like we, I didn't play the first three games. We had a ton of guys that were banged up from one series, so you know there there was just we just didn't have enough to beat those guys. And that's the way the playoffs goes, right? Like sometimes you could be the best team at the start of the playoffs, but you fast forward to the second or third round, and you've taken a, a lot of a big chip out of the, most of the players on your team and you're injured and you miss a couple, like in the finals, if Dan Hamus doesn't get hurt, yeah, throwing that hip check on Lucic, I really think we win the cup. Like one injury like that can, can ruin it for your team. Like he tore it. Well, Jerry even, even Kess, uh, well, Kess, even Kess, you get, Kess was fine. Kess was fine. Like, come on, stop it. Was he? Kess is, he was I fine. thought in that San he Jose series in the final game before you went to overtime that he did something to his abdominal area. Yeah, great. So you you drank the Kool Aid for him. Kess was fine, right? <laughs> I'm talking about the guys that the guys we'll make that sure were he knows. Hurt. The guys that couldn't yeah. play, like the guys that were really hurt. Like, of course, we're all banged up. But like yeah. Hamus rips his growing right off the bone, throwing that hip check on Lucic. He's gone. Samuelson's gone. Mason Raymond breaks his back, like breaks his spine. He's gone. Like those are like legit injuries. All the other shit that you can play through. Yeah, it hurts. You got a bad shoulder. You got a bad hip. Who cares about that shit? But the well, things Manny that you too. can't play through. Yeah, Manny. The things you can't play playing, through. Really. Like Boston was just a little bit healthier. They lost. Juice. Did you lose him again. As oh. soon as you go back to the Juice. Boston series, that's when it all ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> appropriate we'll get him back here we go should we we got him back no we got we, we got him back juice yeah you hear me yeah we got you yep. yeah you just said you, you you got to just the health part in boston so horton yeah so horton obviously was was injured for them but but other than that they were pretty healthy right and and they were deep and we we just had too many injuries we couldn't overcome the injuries that we had but that's part of it that's part of the grind the grind is you know the the war of attrition that's part of winning the stanley cup like you have to that's why tampa bay this year like tampa could have probably three-peated but they were just way too banged down i talked to john cooper for a while after they lost uh in game six and Honestly, like he was like, Braden points out, Cirillo had two separated shoulders. He's like, those are our top <laughs> two centermen. Who who can win without their top two centermen? Like, but that's part of it. That's part of winning. Part of winning is getting through those rounds and not having injuries. Like they had like five guys with broken feet on their team. I think Hagel, Chernak, like. Could they, if they were 100% healthy, could they have beat Colorado? Yeah, maybe, for sure. But that's part of it, right? And that's the luck of the draw, I guess. It, it was amazing to see what I loved about the, these Tampa runs is like they do the first cup without Stamkos, basically. You know, mm-hmm. second cup, mm-hmm. they're a little healthier. And then Stamkos was just a man possessed in this run when they don't have point. And it was just cool to see because it's just like, it was such a cool distillation of, of what it takes from a from a sacrifice and guys stepping up perspective like i i found it a ton of fun to watch uh with that in mind um so Stam- stamkos call- like I, like a lot of people don't think of stamkos as one of those elite leaders but i think he kind of proved that this year like 
the things he was doing, like the shop blocks, the, the big shop blocks, the hits, all that stuff, like kind of brought him into the conversation of like a Jonathan Taves, I think. Like the way the way he played this year and the guts he showed, like and I knew I knew Stammer, like when Stammer first got drafted, first overall, I skated with him in Toronto a little bit. And I, I remember thinking like, Oh wow, like I don't know if this guy's as good as is is like a first overall should be. And boy, did, like, has he ever proved me wrong? Like, not that, not that I said that with too much conviction, but just kind of to myself. And he's proved me wrong. He he is a great leader. He's a great captain. He's an absolute warrior on the ice. And he had he had a great great playoff run. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, legacy cementing. I mean, it shouldn't have been, but it it really was. He he went to another level. Uh, Nicholas N. I'm going to invite you up to the stage to ask Juice a question. Not you cool. got us. Here oh, you can you guys hear me? Double N. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we got you. N square. Perfect. Here we go. Um, I'll admit, a little nervous. Uh, thanks for having me. Kevin, huge fan. Childhood memories. Love the 2011 run. Uh, my questions for kind of all three of you. Um, since the additions of all the new front office staff and whatnot, it kind of seems like we haven't felt a, like a whole lot of change has happened. Um, like, particularly, we've had, like, on draft day, um, it was kind of upsetting to see uh, Emily, uh, Cammy, and uh, Rachel not uh, go up to the stage there. Um, I was just wondering if you guys, you know, had any uh, – sorry, I'm getting I'm getting flustered. Um, <laughs> no worries, man. It's a good question. Just wondering uh, what your guys' uh, thoughts on the lack of them coming up to the stage was. Thanks, Nicholas. Well, juice. You, take it. you got to take. Um, no, you take it. What, what's the question? Sorry, like just clarify. I w- it was just it's just a question about how much change there's been and whether or not the optics of having you know the front office on stage not or like what they did was they had sort of a normal draft photo where you have like uh, ownership representatives, the president was up there, area scout, director of scouting, uh, Rutherford GM, right, as opposed to mm-hmm you know stacking their new staff up there with their first round pick and you know I I mean this is one that I probably actually you know will take from you just because uh, you have these conversations um, sometimes as a PR guy where you're like hey like you know it'd be a cool opportunity to get this photo that like really says new day for our franchise but good luck telling the owner like hey why don't you sit back why don't you stand back? Like, good luck with that. You know, at the end of the day, it it, it kind of it, it, that's not a decision that, that you make as a PR guy. That's a decision you try and manage and influence if you can. And then you get told to fuck off. So, I, I, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it would have been extremely cool if they did it. But I don't side eye them for not doing it, if that makes well, sense. You know, especially Keston Gay in Montreal. Yeah. But 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 it's like um, a cool opportunity missed. I don't see it as something nefarious. Yeah. Uh, to pull out to pull out one of my favorite ten dollar words. Yeah, that's a great word. First of all, second of all, I don't know. I I feel a little bit differently about the draft. Like, who cares? I don't know. Like that's the way I feel. Like who cares who's on stage at the draft? Uh, guys, I didn't even go to my draft. My dad's like, do you want to come to the draft in Sunrise, Florida? I'm like, for what? Who cares about the draft? Like, I want to play in the NHL. 
like obviously getting drafted if you're in the first round is is part of that but i don't know i think the draft is a little bit overrated (laughs) 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 sports that's like right now shaking their head right now like don't say that (laughs) the the draft show is amazing it's really amazing guys but i think Mm -hmm. the draft is so overrated who cares like how many players that are drafted never actually play in the nhl like it's such a small to get like the first round yeah Let's 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 talk about the first round and all the first rounders, the guys that are going to play in the NHL at 18 years old, or the guys who are going to get 25 chances to play in the NHL, like Jake Furtanen. But like <laughs> the rest oh! of it, who cares? Who cares? I don't know. Like that's the way I feel. Like that might be just like the wine talking, but I don't know. No, I'm. I tend to be with you. To be totally honest with you, I, I definitely think. Uh, it's a, it's a tough one to do. I remember, I remember when, when I last worked a draft for a team, I was in Vancouver and uh, we pick some guy and he's not there. And when the guy is not there and your PR staff, right. And your jobs to like wrangle them and take them through all the stations and then get them up to the, um, you know, the suite where their drunk uncles like eating all of the scouts food and stuff. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you, when the guy's not there, you're like, thank Jesus, right? You're like so excited. Like, oh, yes, less, less work. Like, let's go. Yeah. And I remember we had like two sandwich picks, which is like a nightmare in the, in the fifth round. And all of a sudden, GM calls me over to the table. And he's like, you see that guy there? And it points at some like tall kid wearing shorts. And he's like, that kid's our fourth rounder. He just showed up to the draft. And I'm like, fuck. Like, so I go, I go get the kid. He, he didn't think he'd be drafted. He was taking his driver's test. He just happened to be from the city and, and got a call from his agent and, and was told, like, go to the rink, go to the rink. He shows up in fucking shorts on his draft day. It was beautiful. Um, Henry Grabinski is his name. Yeah, signed That's with the Caps. Story. All right, Graham F. How's it going? Graham. Sorry, I'm Graham. <laughs> hey, bud. Sorry, I'm driving a golf cart right now listening to you guys. <laughs> Where? It's uh, in Summerland, Where actually. Like... Oh, Summerland. Nice. Your, your brother your brother lives in Peachland, right? He does. He absolutely right lives on. in Peachland, yeah. Yeah, he likes to he's on the course once in a while, but he's an absolutely terrible golfer. But a really yeah, good just, drinker. Oh, dude, that's the best way to be. Uh yeah. oh, I got a couple <laughs> questions for you guys while I'm driving around here. Um <laughs> we, we we love it yeah shoot don't let us distract you graham have you crashed graham yeah. i was graham so just pumped for your question he just drove into a pond <laughs> yeah, See, this is how vibes you too. people juice we got people that are getting flustered uh, people that are getting into accidents what what a beauty <laughs> that guy is graham, graham if you raise next? your hand if you raise your hand again, we'll 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 call on you. We'll skip other people to call on you because your vibes were amazing. Um, Blake B is back at the top. We'll see Blake if his audio is better this time. Double B. Hey guys, is uh, feedback better now? Much oh, yeah. better. Much better. Okay, sorry about that. I swear I usually last more than fifteen seconds, but. Um, anyways, I was just going to ask a question about uh, the Patcheretti trade today because you know. I know he's got one year left, seven million, but he's still like a point of game player, thirty to forty goals. I'm just curious what you guys think that means for pretty much any player on the Canucks team that they're thinking of trading. You know, obviously we're all thinking Miller, Miller, but 
Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Blake. Patrick, he's, uh, he's, he's a salary dump, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Blake B is, though, imitating. I have this idea that there's uh, Miller trade seagulls in the Vancouver market, right? Juice. Yeah. So they yeah. just come at you whenever, uh, whenever any topic. They're like, "What? What do you think Miller is going to get traded for?" Like Miller, Miller. Um. So that's what he was imitating there. Um. I don't think the Pacioretty thing impacts Miller's trade value at all. That's my view. Okay. That's a good. If view. you're, if you're Miller right now, and you you've heard your name for the better part of a year, do you just kind of want it done? Well, it depends what he wants to do. Does he want to leave? Like, what did you guys ever ask him the question? Like, do you want to leave or do you want to stay here? Well, he's never never demanded out. And we've certainly talked to him about how he feels about, you know, being constantly mentioned and things like that. And he's talked about it being a distraction for sure. But he's never openly expressed privately or publicly that he wants out. You know, there there was a report last week that if he's going to get traded, he wants it to be to an American team. But, you know, like... But now that is he not is he not cast 2.0? Yeah, we felt that for a while for sure. I I don't I don't think I don't. Is he like on the nose though? You think? Yes, 2.0. I don't know, man. Like plays the same way. Like hard nosed player. (laughs) U.S. kind of wants to be there, kind of doesn't. Grumpy American. (laughs) It's true. Grumpy. (laughs) Yeah. Bull legged. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> he hasn't other than, other than not having posed naked on sports illustrated it's all there post naked because he's the third choice <laughs> was he the third choice he's the third choice oh, who was, was the, the first, first two? two do you know oh some guy in luongo and some defenseman come on <laughs> <laughs> I they, sent, they sp- I don't pose naked for for magazines. I sent Mary the photos. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Um, they Mary's spent my, years. Mary's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> they spent years, by the way, trying to get Yaramir Yager to do it. Like every year, I'd get the the ask, the body issue. Yarmir Yager. And yeah. it was just like, good fucking luck. I can't get this guy to do a walk-off interview. Like, stop it. <laughs> There's no chance. All right. We got Graham F. He raised his hand again. Hopefully he hasn't hurt himself too badly in his golf cart accident. Graham, we got gentlemen, you again. Gentlemen in the back. Hey, just one second. Got a little five footer putt. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Let's go, boys. Sorry, boys. I just had to tap her in. All right. All right. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, okay, Graham. All right. All right. So, my question is, who's more confused, the Flames or the Canucks in their overall direction? And second of all, Kevin, my favorite memory, watching you take the face off first the Flames because everybody knew what was about to happen. Cheers, boys. <laughs> Thanks, Graham. I don't know. Who's more confused? I think they both have a plan. I mean, we're, we'll see what Calgary does, right? I'm, they have money now. Like, if you go take a run at, if you go take a run and land Kadri, for example, just like pulling, pulling in the nature of this speculative program, pulling a name, obviously that remains, right? If you get Kadri and you add a like a hard nosed point of game, 
center. He can play wing. Or you can move Lindholm to the wing. I mean, it gives you a ton of options. But if you're going something like Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund down the middle with that top four, with Markstrom and Nett, and with Sutter behind the bench, aren't you still a massive pain in the ass to beat? It's just still so early. It's the first yeah. day of free agency, right? Like, you have to wait till the teams come together. You got, you got a lot of time. And everybody wants to speculate day one. But there's still a lot of guys out out there, and and a lot of the depth guys they factor in too. So I think I think you have to wait. You have to wait and see what what's going to unfold. And and what do you see as the Canucks' plan, Juice? Because I've been struggling with it a little bit. I don't know. I feel a little bit disconnected from from the Canucks, to be honest. Like I don't know what the plan is. We'll wait and see. Like like Benning, obviously, like he was my last GM that I had there. Um. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. I guess we'll wait and see, right? But there's there's got to be a plan, though. There has to be a direction. The the defense. You, you have to think that the defense is not done, and they're going to add something yeah. there. Like that's for me when I look at the team. You, you look at the weakness. It's the D, right? There's a big drop off after Quinn Hughes. So yeah, you know Ackman Larson. He's he was steady. I like Tyler Myers too. Like I still like Myers. Um, but you have to have a little bit deeper defense core. And I know they've tried to kind of influence a couple guys from the, the minors and little like cup of coffee here and there, but you got to have, you got to have a solid decor. Again, you're building from the net out. You have Demko. So build from the net out, have a solid decor who can defend. And, you know, you got some pretty dynamic forwards and you have a great power play. Like that could be your identity good defensive team kind of like calgary calgary was a really good defensive team this year yeah they won some games that were like 5-1 6-1 but it all started from a tight checking game and they're up a goal or two they get a power play boom score now they're up three goals now they score another power play up four that's that's the way the canucks can be i think yeah well and i felt like they started kind of cooking with oil once they really figured out how to attack teams with that four check that, that Boudreaux had them doing. Right. And in, and in particular, once they had that high more Mott Lamico line going and they had like speed on the wall on a depth line, it was like, okay, there's three teams, uh, three lines that are actually pretty hard to break out against. And it felt like unless the team was genuinely faster than them, they were able to at least impose their game on teams, you know? And I wonder, like, that's sort of where I think Mikhaev Lazar are really good fits because both of those guys are demons uh, for checking. And what about taking the face off against Calgary? I want it clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that. Yeah, that's a win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to let's go to Brett E here. Brett, we got you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, thanks, uh, Thomas Farhan. Love your work, Kevin. Uh, really appreciate your work on Hockey Day in Canada. Um, the thing that I'm most curious about was I, I, I was fortunate enough to go to some of the games in 2011 and um, game five against San Jose game two and game seven against Boston. What I'm most curious about was what, what was the, 
the 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 vibe in the room like after game five against San Jose and game two against Boston. So game five, the, the two overtime games. <laughs> yeah, the two overtime ones. Yeah, the one after San Jose was. Uh, we're, we're pretty tired. I think we were pretty beat up, even though it was only a five game series. I think they were, they were such a good team that year. They were big, they were physical. We took our lumps. So I think we were just, we were tired, but we were obviously super happy that we were going to the finals. After game two, I think we were, we were pretty surprised that we were up two nothing, to be honest. Like when Burr scored that overtime goal right off the opening face off, like fortunate that we got out of that game pretty early in overtime. <coughs> But but also thinking we we felt pretty pretty lucky to be up two nothing, to be honest. Like I think we knew it was going to be a closer series. So that that's on that's the honest kind of opinion of of how we felt. Like San Jose, I still say we we were if you if you told us before the series we were going to win in five, we would have said no way. Like we thought they were the best team in the NHL that year, and we were first of all, we weren't, weren't surprised we beat them, but we knew we could beat them if we played our best, but the fact that we beat them in five games, we were we were shocked. Thank yeah. you, Ben Eager. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I mean, he played a little part in that, but I mean, the game was, when he went crazy and he went squirrely, the game was already over. But uh, Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was the melt. You got the three goals and the one power play, yeah. Uh, we played our best hockey. Like it's one of those things where you're so you're, you're not, you're a little bit scared, a little bit nervous about your opponent. Like you really respect them and you know, they're a great team and you just absolutely play your best out of, out of a little bit of fear at a little bit of competitiveness. We played a, we played a really good series against them. Everybody. That was uh, one of the coolest team goals <laughs> I've ever seen actually was that series. And I want to ask you about it because it's your goal. And everyone remembers the stanchion goal, but I'm talking about the um, the breakaway where Higgins is sitting on the bench with his stick in the air. You remember what I'm talking about? Of course, it's my favorite goal, favorite goal of my career. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know will, will, about you walk, will you walk us through it? Uh, do we lose you? Shit, we lost him. He'll raise his hand again. I want to hear this story. It was his favorite goal of his career. We got to hear the story, and then we're and then we're gonna go, guys, because we've gone for almost an hour and a half. But I'm just gonna wait for KB to disappear and raise his hand. Boom. All right, let's hear the story of the goal, and then we're gonna wrap it. Juice. Okay. Last story. Uh, so Newell Brown, our assistant coach, one of my favorite assistant coaches I've ever had. So he he drew up this control breakout that I've never seen before. And, and control breakouts are pretty consistent throughout the league. It's a copycat league. There's only so many different ones that are, like there's the double swing, there's the single swing, rim the puck, all that stuff, right? Pretty simple. Well, he had this mm-hmm. kind of control breakout. So we practiced it in, during the playoffs. He kind of just came up with it. He goes, let's practice this. So we ran through it a couple times. And then uh, it was like a certain play where, we were going to flood the one side with the centerman was going to swing in the one corner and the D was going to leave his other corner and follow the centerman. So you're going to have an overload in the one side. And then what you're going to do is you're going to have the winger at the far blue line. And then he was going to come back to his zone to the blue line. And the thought was that defenseman's never going to follow him from the far blue line to the near blue line. 
and he was going to get the puck. And when he got it from the D-man, it was going to be a direct pass. And then he was going to be able to hit either the centerman or the far winger for a stretch pass. So that, that was like the premise of it. So we practiced it and we were doing it. We were doing our, all of our run-throughs. And I said, Newell, like, so you're telling me like I have no responsibilities like as a team. I'm just a decoy. Like you just want me swinging into the corner, following the centerman and just being a decoy to, to flood, you know, to clear the one side. And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay, well, I'm just going to cut my route a little bit short and I'm going to, I'm going to like just dart down the far side. And if I'm open for a breakaway, great. If I'm not, who cares? I could just stop and come back. So like, I kind of like, it was like a little bit of Newell's like vision and then a little bit of a improvising and everything just happened so perfectly. Like Higgy was coming on for the trip for the change. He, he waited and he sat on the bench just to make sure like he could kind of like get a little separation from that demon that was supposed to be covering him. And then when I cut my route short I, and I darted ahead of Kess, who was the centerman, Marlo just was so confused. He didn't know what was happening and he just kind of let me go. The defenseman came over and flooded the side where Higgy was and everything just worked kind of perfectly. That's kind of the way the goal happened. It was, it's pretty technical to talk about right now, but what was so fulfilling <laughs> Well, I don't know if that even makes any sense to you guys. No, it like, totally it was, did. Yeah, it was so it was so cool of Newy Newell to to draw up this play and for us to kind of execute it. Like it, like those plays don't happen like that. Like that's like a perfect situation, right? Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like it absolutely was Newell, one of the underrated coaches. I know that Thomas and I are big fans of his. People get give him grief all the time for the drop pass, which is clearly an effective play in the NHL, even though it may have worn out its welcome here in Vancouver, but. Um, Hey, listen, man, this was a lot of fun. I, I, I feel like I should ask you about who the guy brought in who ruined the room chemistry from uh, Conrado P that uh, <laughs> led the team being swept. I feel like I should ask that question. Since you've had some wine, you might spill it. It's, but, it's, not, who you, it's not who you think it was. It was somebody that you probably wouldn't even remember the name. And, really? And it wasn't it, – it was such a – it was a person that was – it's not their fault at all. It was somebody that was brought in because they thought he could help the power play. And then it just threw everything out of rhythm. And I'm not even going to say the name. I don't even know if you would remember the name Farhan, but it's not who you guys would think it is. Like, I know a couple of people throwing out a couple of guests, guesses, but it, it's somebody who was just brought in. He played a little power play, not to his fault, and it just didn't work out. But it threw us totally out of sync. Yeah, see, I always thought it was Derek Roy, just based on no. everything else you, you talked around it. But no, it, wasn't, um, we'll, it wasn't Derek Roy. We'll leave it alone. Yeah, hey, listen, thanks Derek so much Roy. for doing this. You hung in for the three hours. You, you sent my <laughs> pictures. I like all of it. So we can't thank you enough. The show is a lot of fun and always good catching up with you, my friend. Okay, guys. Good talking to you. We'll, thanks, uh, Juice. We'll thanks to the VIPs. Again, we appreciate you. Next year, if you'll take our call. I probably won't. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a couple of years. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Juice. See you, buddy. Uh, Drench, we got you back on. Hey, listen, this was this was good. We were going to talk about other things free agency related, but we've got about an hour and a half here. So I think we're in pretty good shape. We'll get back on a couple of times a week or a couple of times next week as we uh, start ramping things up. We haven't even talked about development camp. We'll get into that and, and so many other storylines. We'll be able to see a little bit more about what Vancouver does. I'm not sure they're going to have necessarily a lot of room. At this stage, they've probably got around a million and a half to play with, but that's before any potential trades that get made here, if, in fact, the JT Miller trade happens, if, in fact, anybody else potentially gets moved. Interesting names that are still out there, including John Klingberg. I know he hasn't really been tied to the Canucks, 
Uh, Dylan Strom still out there that, you know, there's probably not as much of a need for since they added three forwards today. But um, uh, nonetheless, an interesting day for the Canucks. And uh, we, we still have a lot to talk about next week. On that note, thanks so much to the VIPs for tuning in. Uh, this will also get posted. So if you want to re-listen to more of Juice's captivating stories, it's going to be on. So just uh, check your favorite pod cla- podcast platforms. And uh, right now, just uh, $1 a month for the next six months if you want to uh, subscribe to The Athletic. So please do, do so. Please leave us a rating and review all of it. Uh, we, as always, enjoy bringing this to the VIPs. We'll talk again next week.